What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. And what do you need on this Monday morning? Well, probably a cup of Strava Craft Coffee. And you can subscribe now to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% with every single purchase you make using that subscription. You'll get 20% off every single time you order Strava Craft Coffee. And you can have the option of giving it delivered to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks without having to go in every week and put in that order at that 20% off price. And also, if you want to try Strava Craft Coffee before subscribing, use that magical code DNVR20 to get 20% off your first order. Strava Craft Coffee is delicious, smooth, CBD-infused coffee, meaning you get that caffeine jolt and you also get the CBD benefits, which helps just relieve what's going on in your body, aches, pains, headaches, migraines. That's the CBD helps ease those. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. Subscribe to save 20% on every purchase. And if you want to try them out for one time, use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. DNVR Broncos podcast on this fabulous Monday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. And you can do that over at MSU Denver Online. Whether you want to take one class to get knowledge in a specific subject or you want to go get a degree, MSU Denver has you covered with every single option out there and it'll help you especially right now with so much economic uncertainty so make sure to check them out msudenver.edu slash online my boy mace what's going on how are you doing my friend hey it's good to be back i mean obviously i was here for um or here on the podcast not here in denver last thursday but it's nice to be back home even though as I was flying back from Mobile on Friday morning, I was thinking, boy, I'm going to be home for a long time, longer than I'm used to in the offseason. Of course, last year, things didn't start crumbling until after the combine. The combine is going to be virtual this year, and uh, I, I haven't heard for certain, but I imagine that the league meetings will once again be virtual at the end of March. So settle in, and uh, it's going to be the first time in a long time since that I've uh, gone this many months without uh without getting on a plane it's gonna be kind of surreal but it is what it is we're still you know we're still dealing with this pandemic we're gonna be dealing with it for a while and uh like Vic Fangio says improvise and adjust and we're still improvising and adjusting Exactly. Well, welcome home, Mace. We're glad to have you on the shows this week. Definitely miss you and really excited later in the week, probably to get even more detail on what you learned down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. And as you're settling in here in Denver, Mace, for the long haul, Matthew Stafford won't be doing the same. He will not be settling here in Denver as, of course, Saturday night 
the news comes out that the Rams have made a blockbuster trade to acquire Matthew Stafford. Of course, he was a guy that, you know, it's definitely Ryan and I, as the week was going on last week, thought that the possibility of him ending up in Denver was looking pretty strong. Well, we found out that the Broncos tried to make that happen, Mace. They tried and they failed. Uh, there are varying there are varying reports as to the, the the degree that they tried, but I think uh, one thing from that's interesting from Peter King is that in his column this morning he he notes that the Broncos were quote aggressively into it, mm. along with the Carolina Panthers and um, the Panthers. It doesn't surprise anybody because. Their owner, David Tepper, when he addressed the media after firing GM Marty Herney late in the season, he kind of tipped his hand as to say, as to noting that if, if the quarterback isn't good enough to get into a Super Bowl, they're looking for somebody else. So clearly the Panthers were taking a close look at quarterbacks last week. They had Mac Jones and Jamie Newman on their team down at the senior bowl. And turns out, as we've seen here, they were uh, they were in the mix for Matthew Stafford. But the Broncos being in, I mean, it opens a Pandora's box. And and frankly, Zach, I know that there are varying angles on this, varying opinions on this, but I don't know how anyone can interpret the decision to at least pursue Matthew Stafford and give up a package that involves something with a first-round pick or the equivalent. I don't know how anyone can interpret this and say, the Broncos are happy with their quarterback situation. You're They're happy with Drew Locke. They're clearly not. If they were, they wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, you're 100% right. And Mace, this is a lot more than just bringing in a veteran hedge. If you're giving up the equivalent of a first-round pick, and I think that's important because that's some details that, that have come out, is the equivalent of a first-round pick, not necessarily ninth overall, uh, not necessarily that big of a commitment, but giving up an equivalent of a first-round pick is huge for, for a quarterback that you're going to end up be paying over $20 million a year as well. That is huge. And so you're spot on, Mace. It, it definitely does say the Broncos are willing to make a big move at quarterback. That is an indictment on what they think of Drew Locke now. And Mace, this is the first time we've got an idea of what George Payton thinks uh, of Drew Locke. Because, of course, when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he said, I need to go back, watch the film, make my own decision for myself on what I think of Drew. I think we're finding out right now. Yeah, and the other thing we we learned is that George Payton didn't want to part with any of his young core. And that, I think, is key because when you think of the young core, who do you think of? You think of Cortland Sutton. You think of Jerry Judy. You think of Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons, players that have a lot of value. And if he doesn't want to part with them, then – Clearly, he's of the mindset that the right quarterback can take this team to another level. Mm. And it's a question of who that quarterback is. Right. And that's, and that's what's going to define the next few months. Uh, selfishly, Zach, when the Rams got Matthew Stafford, I kind of pumped my fist a little bit because it makes our discussions interesting for the next several <laughs> weeks at least. If they'd gotten Matthew Stafford, this offseason would have probably gotten really boring really fast talking about the Broncos. Now they're still in play for everything. They're still in play for a free agent. They're still in play for 
Deshaun Watson if the Texans do try to trade him. They're still in play for a draft quarterback. The one thing that appears they're not in play for right now is Aaron Rodgers because Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the Packers, said today when he met Wisconsin media, quote, he's going to be a part of our future and we look forward to all the runs we're going to be able to make here over the next few years. So it was a nice dream. Aaron Rodgers isn't coming to Denver. Yeah, and Mace, if uh, if you trust Woody Page, who we know he's mm-hmm. been right on a lot right. of the big decisions the Broncos have made over the years, uh, then the Broncos aren't going to get uh, Deshaun Watson either. Yep. He has been very adamant for a while, and especially this weekend, just about how that will not be happening. And to me, Mace, this just, like you said, this opens every single door now at what the Broncos can do at quarterback. Of course, they can roll with Drew this year. They can bring in a veteran hedge. They could trade for a quarterback such as a Sam Darnold sort of thing. They could still potentially trade for Deshaun Watson if something crazy changes there, according to Woody. Uh, And of course, I think this leaves open the door of a first-round quarterback potentially because we saw that George Payton was willing to make a big investment in Matthew Stafford. So I don't think you can just with that rule out that he would not be willing to make a big investment in another quarterback. And like you pointed out, Zach, with Detroit trading for Jared Goff, maybe they're not completely out of the mix for quarterback, but now the Lions are in a position where they can say, okay, we don't need to take one this year. And the other thing that hangs over that, of course, Brad Holmes, the GM in Detroit, being the guy who was the director of college scouting for the Rams for the last seven years. So he was a point man on drafting Jared Goff in the first place. Everything I've gathered indicates there is genuine belief in Jared Goff in the Lions building. So I think it's unlikely they take a quarterback. So that takes them out of the mix Carolina being in the Stafford sweepstakes shows they're thinking quarterback, 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 but are 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 they marshalling their resources to go after a Deshaun Watson? Perhaps. I mean, it's 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 all wide open there. So you've at least taken one team, in all likelihood, out of the equation for a quarterback. The question is, what happens with the others? What does Robert Sala and what do Robert Sala and Joe Douglas in New York think of Sam Darnold? Do they? say okay we're going to get a quarterback at two or are we going to stand stand pat with him so there are still some variables but the likelihood of a justin fields or a zach wilson slipping to nine is a little bit higher today than it was on monday or this a week ago monday i don't think it's i don't think it's very high but i think the possibility of that has gone up just a little bit It certainly, certainly has. And then what happens if Carolina lands Deshaun Watson? Now, you probably do have Houston taking a quarterback in the first round, but does Houston try to recoup some picks and move back, uh, you know, to 15 or 20 because they don't have some of their first round picks for for the trade that they made for Laramie Tunsil a couple of years ago? Uh, That could really really open the door, Mace. And that is huge. That is huge. Now, of course, Matthew Stafford, would have been a huge upgrade for the Broncos. But the way this trade played out with him not going to the Broncos, uh, this is about as good as it could be, Mace. Because like you said, I totally agree with you. Everything that I've heard and read and seen is the Lions are definitely committed to Jared Goff, at least for this year. Uh, And man, did they get a good deal back in return for Matthew Stafford, in my opinion, especially if they like Jared Goff. Two firsts. 
that was something that the Broncos weren't going to be able to compete with. And Mace, from, from what we've heard and what we've seen, the Broncos, I think according to Mike Kliss, were a top three team for Stafford. They were in it for the long haul. They didn't just check in to see what the Lions wanted and then pull out. No, they were in there making moves. Albert Breer said that the Broncos uh, were, were willing to give up the equivalent of a first round pick. You had that note earlier from Peter King on how committed the Broncos were. So this is uh, th- this is something where the Broncos were very interested in Matthew Stafford, just like we thought. Uh, pardon me, because you repeat what you said from Albert Breer because he cut out and he froze up on me there for a sec. He said he said the Broncos were willing to give up an equivalent of a first round pick for Stafford. Yeah, and it's funny that you kind of, you mentioned some of the stuff that uh, that Mike Kliss noted, and um, re- and and really the thing that I think that Kliss got wrong where he talked about the Rams throwing in two future first round picks for the salary dump of, of Jared Goff. I don't think that the two for the future first round picks. I don't think those were both the salary dump. I think realistically the third round pick is what you were talking about with the salary dump. Don't forget with the Rams, their expectation and probably the Lions expectation as well from the Rams in those first round picks is they're going to be late first round picks. They're going to be somewhere in the 20s. Right. So I, th- I think realistic, I, I get what Cliss is saying. Cliss was clearly trying to kind of pump up Drew Locke's value. Right. <laughs> and some of the things that he was saying. And so, and he kind of got roasted on Twitter for some of these ta- <laughs> these takes, but uh, realistically, the salary dump part of it. I mean, think about uh, when when Cleveland uh, basically when, when Cleveland basically took a second round pick from Houston to get Brock Osweiler's contract. Yeah. I would I, I would say that uh, realistically, you're talking about a a third round pick as far as the value because Osweiler didn't have any value as a quarterback. Jared Goff has value as a quarterback. He's just got an expensive contract as well. But Jared Goff, you know, is he a great starting quarterback? No. Is he a middle of the road starting quarterback? Sure. I mean, if you're going through the 32 quarterbacks over the last few years, he's probably somewhere between 16 and 20. And that's somebody right. who, who should be starting. And it's somebody where if you put enough around him, as we saw with the Rams in 2018, you can, you can succeed with him. So it's, it's not somebody where you're saying, well, this guy's a backup and this guy's not going to stick. That's, that's not the case. That's what I think Cliss got wrong there. Yeah. But, and, and I think you're spot on with that too. And what's interesting, Mace is, is I totally agree. Jared Goff, maybe 16 to 20 best quarterback in, in the NFL. Not, not good, not anything that's going to blow you away, but a starter. And when we crunched the numbers last week, Mace, Matthew Stafford is the, about the 13th to 15th best quarterback. So that they paid yeah. a lot in order to upgrade, you know, it, it's definitely an upgrade, but in order to upgrade a little bit. So Mace, my, my question to mm-hmm. you is it doesn't seem like number nine, was was on the table in these conversations maybe a trade back that the the Broncos would have traded back with another team to pick up a second round pick and then traded that first round pick which would have been somewhere around 18 to 20 in order to make the deal happen but what do you think would have made this deal happen for Stafford to go to Denver I think uh straight up I think straight up number nine and uh and a future one Mm, so it would have been it's still would have cost you those two first picks yeah, uh, you, yeah. Th- the price the price tag was getting up there and and you trade the future one believing that you're better and that's kind of like the rams 
believing that it's going to be a pick somewhere in the twenties that you'll be in a, in the playoff conversation. So it becomes something palatable. Basically the Rams kind of, the Rams logic is that uh, the, the two ones, if they're picking in the twenties is equivalent to uh, a higher, uh, a higher one. So realistically the Rams could say, well, you know, our two ones are equivalent to the number nine overall pick. Mm-hmm. But yep. the Broncos, when they were talking about a one, they were talking about, you know, basically something, something lower down. So clearly they're interested in upgrading the quarterback position, but they're not interested in touching the young core and they're not interested in giving up the number nine, number nine overall pick. And that I think is interesting because if there's a year where you ought to be willing to trade down and give up a pick and especially with future draft capital, it's going to be this year. This is not a year where I would be uh, holding on to that number nine pick like like grim death. Uh, this it's a year with a lo- it's a year with a lot of variables. I mean, I just think back to Senior Bowl week and how part of the story was guys who had had not played or had who had barely played. You know, Jamie Newman did not play last year. You had you had guys coming from FCS and D two and D three that had played at most one game or it hadn't had a season at all. And so you have that lingering, lingering over it. You can't bring guys into your building for interviews. And, um, and you also have some guys who are taking advantage of the waiver who decided to go back for another year in college football before coming out in the draft. So I get in this situation, why you might want to hold fast to that number nine pick, but in general, I hope the Broncos don't operate through this draft process with you know with the need to say we have to pick number nine overall if they want one of these quarterbacks they're better off trading up if they don't have a conviction on one of these quarterbacks i think they're better off trading down and getting capital in 22 when you're going to have a a, probably a deeper draft class and more knowledge of the guys that are coming out i think you're spot on with everything you said mace and what's interesting is i think if the broncos sign a veteran hedge or trade for a sam darnold or something like that in free agency leading up to the draft um, I would bet right now that the Broncos would end up trading back uh, in, in the draft. I don't think they stay at nine unless they don't make a move at quarterback and they use that ninth pick to get a quarterback. So it's really interesting. On one hand, Mace, the Broncos were a finalist for Matthew Stafford. So you could say that they were very close to landing him. But then on the other hand, with the compensation, just how it did not add up to what Detroit got from the Rams you could say they weren't that close to to trading away because you're right I think they were about the ninth overall pick away from a deal happening and it would have been a future first and it would have been the ninth overall pick now and boy that is a lot to give up I think George Payton stood his ground and, and did exactly what he told us he was going to do a couple of weeks ago be in on every deal well he was in on this deal be aggressive Trading away a first-round pick is aggressive, uh, but not reckless. Well, he he stood away from being reckless here. So, I mean, he he lived up to everything that he told us. Yeah, you you have to investigate everything that you have to be you have to be smart about it. If they do go the hedge route, I just hope it's the right hedge. I mean, I really want to see a hedge with upside. I will mm-hmm. frankly be disappointed uh, to some degree if the hedge is Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick, because if those guys come in, they're bridges. That's it. I would rather see the hedge be somebody who, if he comes in and does well, can be a long-term answer. Yeah. I mean, if if Drew Law, if let's, if the hedge is Nick Foles, and if I were a betting man, that's what I'd bet on today. I, 
your reaction <laughs> says it all, Zach. Yeah, and, and Mace, I don't think you're wrong on that. Yeah, I, but if the hedge is Nick Foles, that's fine. Drew Locke struggles. Foles has to go in there. Maybe he gets you, maybe he gets you a few wins down the stretch, and because uh, he because for whatever reason he's only good when it's an elimination game. Basically, ever since that ever since that second year in the league, he's got to be in an elimination game to flourish. So maybe he does well, but he does well in a short burst. But he's a bridge. The thirty is a good demarcation point the age of 30 in terms of evaluating whether a quarterback can be a long-term answer or a bridge. And a bridge means that you're drafting somebody else or you're signing somebody else in free agency. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how those 20 something hedges with upside look because maybe the saints finagle their cap enough and give Jameis Winston a palatable deal. Maybe the Raiders, they cut they make their cap cuts elsewhere and hang on to Marcus Mariota. And maybe the Jets end up saying Sam Darnold's our guy. If all three of those things happen, your hedge is narrow to Mitchell Trubisky if the Bears don't bring him back and Gardner Minshew. Yeah. And, and, and so you go from five hedges with upside potentially to two. So in general, I, I hope the the mark for the Broncos' sake. I hope the market of the hedges with upside, the twenty something hedges, is nice and robust because mm-hmm. I don't I don't mind seeing competition. And frankly, if Drew Lock doesn't handle competition well, you learn something about him, and you learn something that showed that he's not your answer at your starting quarterback. If he does well with competition, that's great. That means he responded to the pressure, and maybe you're going to see him take that great great leap forward. I mean, this is just one example, but and it's an old example. But if you are of a certain age and you're listening to this podcast, you may remember in 1974 when the Steelers had Joe Gilliam starting games for them that year. Terry Bradshaw was you know, their starting quarterback, but he had struggled. His development had reached a plateau, an impasse. Bradshaw gets the job back. The Steelers go and win their first Super Bowl that year, and he launches a Hall of Fame career. I'm not saying that's the outcome for Drew Locke, but what I am saying is that kind of pressure, that competition, it's possible that it can yield a diamond. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Mason. I really like that analogy you used. And another name, you said Nick Foles to keep an eye on. That doesn't get people excited. <laughs> another name that I think from talking to people and also seeing things out there over this weekend, that's going to heat up and become more of a possibility potentially if they go hedge, not high upside hedge, but hedge is Andy Dalton. That's a name where he's only going to pick up more steam this next month. And I don't think that gets anyone very excited. If you want to get excited about it, well, you can say that, you know, he's a, he was a successful second round quarterback that was taken. So he can help come in, mentor Drew, maybe put him in that pressure cooker situation. And he's a three-time pro bowler and, we know Pro Bowls don't really mean that much, but uh, that those are those are names, Mace. That you know we focused on the exciting names, the potential Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson. We're going to focus on first round quarterbacks as well as we should, because I do still very much believe that's a possibility. But these names that aren't as sexy are going to not be going away anytime soon. I don't think. Well, if you look at the 48 quarterbacks over the last three years with at least 400 attempts in that span. And uh, you just take their passer rating in that time. Uh, Drew Locke is 45th, but uh, Andy Dalton is 37th, and uh, Nick Foles is 35th. 
Uh, another name okay. to throw in. Another name to throw in there potentially as a hedge, and he's somebody who's uh, still still in his twenties. Is uh, is Jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. uh, out of Indianapolis? He turned twenty eight in December. He's thirty third. I mean, you're <laughs> you're not talking about guys at the top of the deck here. Yep. And by the way, Matthew Stafford, like you mentioned, last three years passer rating seventeenth. Jared yeah. Goff twenty first. Okay. By the there, way, there we go. By the way, of those hedges, the young hedges are the hedges with upside. The guy with the highest passer rating is Gardner Minshew. <laughs> What's he at? Ninety three point one. 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions in in the last uh, in the last two seasons. So the three season the three season sample size overall, the uh, the interception rate, Zach, yeah, among quarterbacks with at least 400 attempts for guard in the last three years for Gardner Minshew, the interception rate is fifth best behind Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Joe Burrow, Jacoby Brissett, and Gardner Minshew. Yep, yep. And Mace, when you said Jacoby Brissett's name, it jumped out to me thinking that could be such a Vic Fangio type of quarterback, a guy that doesn't make mistakes. He's not going to light up the world. But Mace, how many times did we hear Vic Fangio last year come out and say, we need Drew Locke to light up the world. We need him to throw for four touchdowns. We never heard that. We never heard. But what did we hear? We heard we got to stop turning the ball over. I mean, once we got to about week 10, Mace, that's what we just continued to hear every single week from Vic Fangio. So when you said Jacoby Brissett's name, I thought, oh man, that could be a Vic Fangio guy. And then you pointed out with Gardner Minshew. I mean, when you think of Gardner Minshew, you don't necessarily think uh, of a guy that makes great decisions. Uh, you don't think of a guy that doesn't make good decisions, but that that doesn't jump out to you. You, you think of all the swag he has and the mm-hmm. confidence, but on the football field, what should jump out to you is exactly what you said. Uh, how many games has he played in that time, Mace? Uh, Minshew? Yeah. Uh, I ha- I can have it right here. Minshew has played 23 games starting 20. Holy smoke. So he started 20 games and he's thrown 11 interceptions. That That is Vic Fangio's guy right there. And Minshew, probably the sexier name of those two. Uh, and, and you know, I, I think certainly sexier and more appealing than an Andy Dalton, Nick Foles sort of name. But that's a guy who we know is going to be available, should be available. Now, how much do you have to give up for him to get him? That Those are questions that we'll talk about. But Mace, those are two names to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, and um, another name, if we're talking about guys who, do, who don't make mistakes, even though he's played less in the last three years, is Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. And uh, again, not as a sexy name, but he's probably in play now in a way that he may not have been before because prior to this trade, getting Jared Goff back, the Rams looking, if they trade Matthew Stafford for just draft picks, they would have been looking for a veteran mentor type as a bridge to a draft pick. So Anthony Lynn taking over to run the offense in Detroit would have made a lot of sense to have Tyrod Taylor in there. Anthony Lynn and Tyrod Taylor go back to Buffalo a few years ago when Lynn was on Rex Ryan's staff back up there. So Taylor's Taylor's a guy who's, you know, again, decidedly unsexy as a as a quarterback option but he's also somebody who has has only thrown 20 interceptions over in uh just under 1400 attempt attempts in his career set 47 starts 20 picks 72 games played in total 
So that's another guy who does not make many mistakes and might be somebody that you're looking at. If the, if the primary, the primary criterion is don't make mistakes. Yep. Yep. I totally, totally agree, Mason, man. Great conversation there. Uh, I know it's bummed. A lot of people are bummed out. The Broncos didn't land Stafford, but as you said, this is just going to make the conversation for us so much more interesting. We just tipped the surface with it right now. And before we get to the people's questions, because I know there's a lot about quarterbacks, got to tell you about our good friends, Michael and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, but they've supported DNVR for a long Long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. Michael and Virginia Chevalier, look at your entire financial picture. That's why it's so crucial that Mike is a certified financial planner, so they look at much more than just an interest rate or mortgage itself. They look at your whole financial picture, which is huge. So check them out at dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider that full financial picture when purchasing a home. They look at short-term and long-term planning goals, investment, and tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. You can even give Virginia a call directly right now at 303-257-6578. Or of course, visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. Most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's Chevalier Mortgage. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Well, I'll tell you about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery, of course, the official beer of DNVR. You can get plenty of options at your local grocery store or Costco, including Juice Drop. I know that uh, a lot of our staff has plenty of good things to say about, uh, about Juice Drop over there. They need your help, though, to keep the farmhouse kicking. If you're in the Denver area, you may know about the farmhouse. It's the restaurant they've got down at their brewery in Littleton right off Santa Fe. So guess what? If you order your meal and beer from the farmhouse, and yes, you can order beer and take it out, and they have the full array of Breck Brews over there at the farmhouse, obviously, because their brewery facility. Use that magical code DNVR and save $5 off your meal. So call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. That's 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. Use that magical code DNVR. Get $5 off. If you're around the country, you want to find out where you can get some of those delicious Breck brews, no problem. You might not be, you might not be able to get the 15-can sampler, but you might be able to get a wide array of Breck brews. And so use the Breck beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. Check it out. You can go find a spot that is close to you. Odds are you are not too far from someplace that is selling those delicious Breck brews, a liquor store, a grocery store, package store, whatever. There are a lot of places around this fair land, and I've had no problem finding those delicious Breckenridge brews far and wide in places outside of Colorado. You will, too, if you check out that Breck beer locator, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. All right, Mace, let's hop into the questions. And if you want your question read on this podcast, what you do is go to thednvr.com. At the top of the page, there'll be a podcast section. Click on that, click on Broncos podcast, and a list of every single one of our podcasts will pop up. Click on the most recent one at the very top, and then scroll to the bottom, and a comment section will magically appear. If you're one of our members, you will be able to leave a comment that we will, of course, read on the next day's podcast. So let's jump into the questions that 
the people did that. First one coming in from World of Suck. Fun fact, if you sort quarterbacks by EPA per play in fourth quarters, the top five quarterbacks this season are Patrick Mahomes, Drew Locke, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, and Drew Brees. I did use a garbage time filter to only include plays where both teams still have at least a 10% chance of winning the game. Zooming out to get a bigger picture, I looked at data from 2017 to 2020, and the top 10 is Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Drew Locke, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Josh Allen. The caveat is that Locke's sample size for those situations is much, much smaller than the rest of the top 10. I'm also not not a whole lot can be extrapolated from this, but we can definitely see he's in good company here. It also shows that the lights don't get too big for the kid in big moments. I love to see it. Well, that's a good point. The lot, the lights aren't too big for him when the chips are down and he, you look back at that chargers game, for example, and he, and he had comebacks, but we just mentioned like the example of Nick Foles earlier, Nick Foles in his career seems to do best in high leverage situations. You get him in an elimination game for the Eagles. He flourished in December heading into the playoffs. It's the rest of the, the rest of it that, that, weighed him down and maybe for drew lock part of the thing is it's the rest of the game sort of the, the humdrum situations that weigh him down a little bit i think again what this shows is his ceiling he's got to raise his floor to where consistently that floor is much higher than it is right now right exactly and and hey great stat crunching world of suck i love to see it and that's obviously so, some encouraging news if the broncos do stick with drew this year Next one coming in from Sebastian Airbay. My boys, I hope your weekend was great. And Ryan, hope you had fun on your trip. He will be back tomorrow with us. I hope by the time you read this on the pod, if we know if we got Matt or Deshaun, or at least we know if we're riding with Drew. Zach, I really enjoyed your article on Melvin Gordon. That leads me into my first question. Thank you so much. He says, have you all heard anything about Melvin's potential suspension? I remember you saying back in December that there's a chance he wouldn't have had to serve a suspension for three weeks. Uh, Let's hop into my second question. Okay, we'll we'll answer that. Um, Mace, his court date was pushed back uh, a couple of months, so we won't know that for a little bit. All all we know is it's going to trial. I mean, at that he's you know he's pled uh, he's pled not guilty, so it's it is going to to go to trial, and then if he is convicted, then it becomes a matter of a leash adjudication as far as as far as the suspension. And obviously. The sooner they figure this out, the better, because the Broncos want to be able to formulate a plan uh, without him, including a plan that may not involve him at all if it ends up voiding the rest of his contract. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right there. So still wait and see, Sebastian. Yeah. And he says, second question. So I remember Ryan saying that last year he delved really deep into the single single prospect for the first and second round, and I wanted to do that this year. How did you go about doing that? Is there a certain subscription that you had? Did you watch highlights or something else? Thank you guys for everything, and have a great Monday. Much love, Sebastian. So, May, yeah. since Ryan isn't here, how do, how do you do your, your digging on draft picks? You try not to focus too much on highlights because – uh, obviously it's going to be the high point you, tr- you know, there are plenty of places. I mean, you can find a lot of complete games on YouTube. You can find them on ESPN uh, over on ESPN plus and kind of diving into some of the, uh, the archives from last season. And you try to watch a couple of games to get a feel for a player. If the guy is at the senior bowl, I've got, uh, I've got all the film from the senior bowl. I'll go back and, uh, and rewatch that quite a bit, quite a, quite often over the next few months. And so, you, you try to get away from the highlights and that's why, that's why like, for example, when you get these, uh, you get these 
FCS D2, D3 linemen like Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater last week. You want to go and see them in action there because at the Senior Bowl and, and watch the film of that week because the problem is when you go and watch them at Wisconsin Whitewater, of course, all you're going to see is that is these guys pushing everybody all over the field because they're so much better than everybody around them. You want to you want to see them in situations where there there isn't a talent disparity. And one good thing about the Senior Bowl was that in general you don't have a lot of talent disparities out there. You start and so I think that week in particular is something that uh, really helps uh, help separate these guys. Yeah. And you're spot on exactly with, with avoiding highlights. If you want to get a good evaluation, you know, after someone, after they get drafted, definitely go watch the highlights to get pumped. But Mace, one thing I like to do is do exactly what you said, try to find full games. And then also I I do combine that with stats and then I do combine Mm -hmm. it with the experts and the guys that watch these guys every single snap. So kind of a compilation of everything there, Sebastian. Yeah. The the stats that, I mean, that's kind of goes without saying, but one thing that you have to kind of sometimes separate yourself from is uh, like you see people around him. And I, I, I prefer to kind of take the word of, of the media and people who are impartial because like if you find out what a coach said about a guy, a coach is partial. And that is something you got to watch out because uh-huh. these, these guys typically love their players. They do. From Casper, fellas, the more I think about them, the more it makes sense that Urban Meyer should look into trading number one overall for Deshaun Watson straight up. When Urban Meyer was coaching Ohio State, he recruited Watson heavily, so we know he's a fan. He won't have to worry about going through any potential growing pains with a rookie. So many great college coaches have failed in the NFL, so why not get a guy who you can win with immediately and you can coach for the next decade? How say you? Man, that would be that would be something. I mean, Mace, what's that trade look like? Is it just number one overall for Deshaun Watson? Oh, no, because, uh, it, because with Deshaun Watson, even though you're assuming the contract – you know he's elite. I mean, you don't right. know. I mean, Trevor Lawrence should be good. He, I think he has an incredibly high floor, but what if he's just okay? What if he's just like a second-tier quarterback, like um, among 32 starting yeah. quarterbacks? What if he settles around 9 or 10? You're happy with that, but Deshaun Watson, where is he right now realistically? He's probably no lower than fourth. So right. he he's in that elite tier. He he is in the you know the. Okay. <laughs> you're gonna get on. You're gonna go. <laughs> yeah, he's in the Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady conversation. Russell Wilson. So top five. He's he's in that cluster of quarterbacks there atop the league, the cluster where Josh Allen is kind of pushing toward right now, the cluster where Lamar Jackson is kind of pushing toward and kind of you want to be more consistent before you put him in that group. Trevor Lawrence might be a a guy who settles in the next tier, but you know Deshaun Watson is in that first tier of quarterbacks, and that's what you'd be trading for. That being said, because they have the number one overall pick, it wouldn't be as much. You would imagine that the Jaguars could say, look – if, you, if we make this trade, you're getting Trevor Lawrence. And so the premium on that might be another first round pick and that's it. And maybe that first round pick is two years down the line. Right. Right. So. It, it, exactly. Yeah. And and that's a good point. And I totally see the, your argument Mace, but if I'm the Jags, I'm not doing it. I roll my roll, the roll, the dice that Trevor Lawrence will be even better than Deshaun Watson. And the reason why I'm rolling the dice if I'm if I'm the Jaguars and Urban Meyer is because for the next five years I can build around a drink, 
cost control quarterback. Mm, and yeah. that's that's going to be your window. Your best your best window is those years when you're not playing the quarterback very much and you can surround him with talent. And and the thing that, that Jacksonville has going for its fa- going its favor, they have a cash wealthy owner who has no problem putting the money in escrow to sign whatever players he wants and they can go into free agency in March and say you're playing with Trevor Lawrence. This is your quarterback and we're building around him. You're going to help him. And frankly, even though he's a rookie, Trevor Lawrence probably excites most potential free agents going to a team. That's somebody where everybody is going to say, wow, great. We can do something special with Trevor in the next few years. I'm on board. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Good, good points all around. I see what you're saying, Casper. Next one coming yes. in from Tommy Bronco. Hello, guys. It's been a minute since I have been able to comment. I've been engaged, now married, had to deal with a loss in the family, and I'm now moving to Hawaii in May. It's good to be back commenting. Well, congratulations on all congratulations. that, Tommy. We're so, so sorry to hear about the loss in your family, uh, but congratulations on the engagement, marriage, mm-hmm. and man, moving to Hawaii. That uh, seems pretty unbeatable right there. He says, well, on the topic of Hawaii, come next January, which Bronco do you think I'll be seeing in Honolulu at the Pro Bowl? Thanks again, Tommy Bronco. Well, you're not going to be seeing it in Honolulu. Uh, The game is not coming back to Honolulu until there's a new stadium. Aloha Mm. Stadium. It's a rust bucket, to put it kindly. Oh, boy. The Pro Bowl hasn't been there since 2016. Next year, the Pro Bowl is going to be in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. And it's possible that Las Vegas becomes a semi-permanent home for that game, if not permanent. Maybe it's semi-permanent. They switch uh, between Vegas and Orlando. So sorry, you're not going to see them. uh, You're not going to see them in the Pro Bowl in Honolulu. That being said, Broncos that I think you'll see next year, I think you'll see Garrett Bowles because there's a little bit of a delayed a delayed reward for offensive linemen. I think you'll see Justin Simmons. And I do think the Broncos get something done with him and that he's back. I think you'll see Bradley Chubb. And I believe you will see one of Cortland Sutton, Noah Fitt, Jerry Judy. Hmm. I like that. I like that. And I'll just take my chances here. I'll go Jerry Judy will have a breakout year, I guess, because some yeah. people were disappointed in his year this year, which is kind of crazy in my eyes. But uh... I think Sutton will have a very good year coming back from the ACL. I'm actually going to I'm going to I'm going to stick I'm going to stick my neck out here. I'm going to say no offense in the Pro Bowl at this time next year. And Love some it. of that is going to be what happens at the quarterback position. Don't forget Noah Fant played most, much of this year with an ankle problem and he played and he, and he battled through it. I think a little bit better health for Noah Fant in 2021 and he explodes. Yeah. And he, he can really be right there. Mace. I like that one a lot. T Woods 16. Hey guys, after the combo on Friday about Ryan on the plane and Watson throwing bombs, I have a really funny story to tell you back in 2014, after the Broncos got blown out by Seattle in the Super Bowl, I was flying to Hawaii with my girlfriend at the time and her family out of Seattle. I'm from a small town in British Columbia and was about the lone Broncos fan of a town full of Seahawks fans. I was in grade 12 at the time and in group chats with all my buddies. And I jokingly said, 
said when I was in Seattle, I was going to bomb the Seahawks stadium as vengeance. So on the drive down and we cross the border, I lose cell phones connection and I don't have roaming. But when I get to the hotel and get Wi-Fi and open up the group chat to, to my friends freaking out and apologizing to me, I was so confused. Then I find out one of my friends took a screenshot of the message and posted it to Twitter, tagging CenturyLink and the Seahawks. The girlfriend's dad at the hotel gets a phone call from the Seattle Police Department or FBI. Not sure, but there was a detective on the phone. What happened was the admin for CenturyLink Field notified police, and the first police thought thought it was a joke until they saw I crossed the border the same day. I had to talk to the detective, and I was on the phone. I was 17 and scared, crying, and thought my life was over. There was two cop cars sitting outside the hotel in case I had to get taken in. Fortunately, the detective was super nice, and I didn't get in any trouble. It was the scariest day of my life. But now it's really fun to laugh at. Hope you enjoy. Holy oh. cow. I mean, I feel like I was taking all the emotional roller coaster with you on that ride. That is something else. Oh, definitely a mistake of youth. You can't say stuff like that in this day and age. <laughs> yeah. You just can't. Oh. <laughs> and then especially have a posted Twitter. Yeah. And this dates me a bit, but um, when I was living in Seattle, it was uh, 1999, 2000, right around the, the Y2K New Year. And um, they had had, there were some threats and they were worried about somebody trying to uh, cause some harm at the Space Needle on New Year's Eve. So uh, the big kind of New Year's celebration that would ordinarily have happened around the Space Needle in Seattle at the time, that didn't take place because wow. they, what, what they, what the thing is, because of course, Seattle is on the water, the water, and you're not too far from the maritime border with Canada, uh, just you know, across uh, the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Because of that, uh, the Coast Guard is on high alert, protecting that area. But you can't; it's it's hard to kind of protect every every square, you know, every square mile of water. So. Yeah. It's something that uh, is always it's always a little bit of a concern. So uh, that, that that's the, the thing. T was sixteen. There, Seattle is one of those places where, because of all because of all the waterways that can allow access, you you have police and the FBI that are always on, that are very gar on guard and very vigilant of these things. So that's not something you want to mess with. <laughs> and T Woods <laughs> learned the the hard and scary oh, way there. Holy cow! No <laughs> Thanks kidding. for telling your story. No, yeah, yeah, wow, that's a hell of a story. <laughs> Oklahoma Bronco 58. What's up, guys? Long time no comment, but I'm back, baby. Love I it. To get, I wanted to get Mace's take on how my Sooners did at the Senior Bowl and the week of practice between Stevenson, Humphrey, Ely, Trey Brown, and Trey Norwood. Are there any you could see as good fits or potential draftees in Denver? I personally would love to have Ramondre Stevenson in Denver because of how hard to bring down he is, and no defender wants to tackle that man one on one, and he's a surprisingly good receiver out of the backfield. Well, Stevenson, I'll admit, did not jump out to me among did, did not uh, has not jumped out to me yet at the Senior Bowl last week. The two guys from Oklahoma who I think uh, uh, really stood out, Trey Brown at cornerback, was terrific. And the thing that I liked about him, there was an epidemic of grabbiness among the cornerbacks in one-on-one -on -one drills. Trey Brown was the one guy who didn't really fall victim to that. And so mm -hmm. I was impressed with what he could do in coverage without having to resort to a yank, a jersey tug, a thing like that. And Creed Humphrey, that's a day one starter. If the Broncos had not picked Lloyd Cushenberry last year and weren't riding with him at center, 
I would say, and, and weren't really kind of set on the interior overall, I would say pick Creed Humphrey, try to get him on day two, because he's somebody who looks like he looks like a plug and play guy was the, was the steadiest, most consistent, most dependable offensive lineman down there at the senior bowl. And uh, yeah, he looks the part. He looks ready to go. Mm, love, pretty good reviews coming in for Oklahoma Bronco on those Sooners. Thanks for that, yeah. Mace. Next yeah. one from Sebastian Airbay. My boys, really sorry for the second comment. No worries, Sebastian. I just wanted to say that I'm really disappointed regarding the recent developments of quarterback. I love Drew, but I really wanted Matthew Stafford. It made me so happy thinking about the chance of getting into the playoffs again. Alas, it may be a few years before that happens. Now, on this unfortunate day, would you all mind giving me a good couple of your favorite Broncos memories? I just want to smile thinking about the good old days. Thanks for everything. Much love, Sebastian. Well, I this is an older memory, and I tweeted this out earlier this morning. On this day, 44 years ago, very important day for the development of the Broncos because they hired Red Miller as their head coach. And mm. he talked to guys from that 1977 team and They'll all tell you that Red Miller was kind of the piece that pulled it all together. They were nine and five the year before. They had some discord, a player revolt, really, against then coach John Ralston. The team's development had plateaued. That Ralston gets forced out. And then in steps Red Miller, who, of course, had been on the staff for a little bit back in the 60s. And Red was just the right guy at the right time, the right mix of the right mix of, of football mind with kind of old school motivation. Literally, there was a drill, I believe, with Claudie Miner where he gets in and, and demonstrates something and he, he creates a, and, he, and he collides with uh, the helmet and gets a gash over his nose and blood is like coming down his nose and his face. He doesn't leave. He just keeps right on coaching. And uh, wow. Red's a ring of famer. Of course, he passed away back in 2017. Uh, never had a losing season on the job with the Broncos. A lot of firsts happened with Red Miller. First division title, first AFC championship, first playoff win, first back-to-back playoffs. He's actually went to the playoffs three years in a row. You know, we talk about Pat Bowen the day he bought the team as a landmark day, but really the day that kind of launched the Broncos into their many years of relevance and success, you could say is the day that Red Miller was hired, and that was on this date. February 1st, 1977. So there's a, there's a memory right there. There's a good day yeah, yeah. and it happened on this date. Yeah. That's That's incredible. Mace. That, that, that's a great one. Uh, I'll take you back 10 years from now, Sebastian 2011 season, boy, the one that was just full of magic. Of course, that's Tim Tebow taking over the world with everything crazy that went on. Of course, capped off by uh, Demarius Thomas, 80-yard walk-off touchdown against the Steelers in overtime. And then what happens after that? Well, the Broncos land Peyton Manning. So just think back of those days a decade ago, and it's uh, it'll bring a smile to your face. Mm, yeah, that so many good memories and, and just think about three super bowl wins too just yeah think about think about those days we're actually coming up on the uh on the fifth anniversary here of the super bowl 50 win we will forget that tuesday is the 
seventh anniversary of the Super Bowl 48 loss. <laughs> exactly. We will forget about that one. <laughs> Next yeah. one from Windy City Bronco. What are the limits of, do, of what Deshaun Watson could do to force a trade? Like, I get that he can hold out, but he couldn't. But but couldn't he also just show up and force them to bench him, show up to practice and collect his paycheck, but then refuse to really play? What leverage does a team have at that point? What can they do to force him to play? Okay, if he did that, if he showed up and he didn't play, that would go over like a fart in church with his teammates. And <laughs> yeah. if a guy did that, he showed up and then says, I'm not going to play, then you would have players justifiably questioning him, his commitment, etc. I think yeah. they would empathize, but I think they would also be upset. If a player holds out, Everybody gets it because you're, you want more, but you're sacrificing in the short term. Guys get that. If a guy came in and said, I'm going to keep getting paid, but I'm not going to play that, that would be a really bad look. And I think would probably uh, diminish the demand for, De yep. for Deshaun Watson on the market. I think you'd have some teams that say, well, if this is what the kind of guy he is, we don't want any part of, of that because he's coming in to cash a check and let, and he's not there for his teammates. It would basically be the equivalent of on Seinfeld when George Costanza kept showing up at, uh, at play now, even though they barricaded the rest the, the office, he found his way in through a side window and, uh, Basically, he just wanted to keep getting paid, even though uh, they wanted him out. They wanted to give him half his salary. And he said, well, I'm on a one-year contract. And so he kept showing up. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think that's happening. It's funny to talk about, but uh, I don't think that's happening. What I think will happen is if, if, it, if it reaches this point, I think he holds out, which means that there is a fine that he would that he would accept for every day of mandatory mini camp every training camp day every in-season game that you, you'd be sacrificing money and if that lingers if the texans decide they're going to play hardball and not trade him in the offseason and this lingers i would expect it works out sort of like the carson palmer situation did in cincinnati back in 2011 where they got their young quarterback knowing that Palmer was going to hold out and Andy Dalton. They thought, okay, maybe Palmer will come in and be a, and be a bridge. And then Dalton takes over. But instead they put Dalton out there right away at midseason. The Bengals traded Carson Palmer to the Raiders close to the deadline. I could see something like that happening. If Deshaun Watson opts for the holdout route and the Texans dig in. Yeah, that'd be about as far as it would go, I would think, Mace. That, 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 that's definitely an extreme example, but a good one in case it does get that ugly. Uh, what's interesting is we did hear a report this weekend saying uh, what it would take is maybe two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and two starting defensive players. So you kind of... Oh, Done. Yeah, I agree. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy, I would do it. And I know we have some questions touching on that later. But Mace, to me, that says the Texans aren't digging their heels in. They are definitely talking about it. Yeah, and I think they understand that uh, if this thing is headed to a certain point, it's probably crossed the Rubicon. And at that point, your best play is to make the best deal that you can. It's not something that you want to do, but something that you have to do to uh, start the process going forward. Because until then, you're just in a holding pattern. And the other thing you mentioned earlier in the podcast, they need the picks. They, right. and they could use picks right now. Yeah, they definitely could. Count Locula, after quarterback, Edge could be a top need if number 58 is no longer with us. If Vaughn is gone 
Is Edge more important or still cornerback? Let's say we keep either Bryce or Boye. Love the count. First of all, I think Bryce Callahan's coming back. Now, you can't rely on him being healthy, unfortunately, for a full 16-game season, but I expect he's back. Boye, I expect that's an easy cut. Yep, totally agree with you, Mace. So let's say this happens and Vaughn is no longer with the team. I'm going to say that cornerback is still more uh, more of a need just because you do have Bradley Chubb there uh, and you have some good depth with Malik Reed and Jerry Itachu, but it certainly, certainly rises up the list fast count. Yeah, I agree. I think corner is the more pressing need right now, but uh, you'd be looking... You'd be looking at the edge rushers uh, long and hard. I mean, I'd say, you know, for example, one guy who flashed last week was Quincy Roche out of Miami, and that's somebody you might be able to get in today too. If Vaughn is gone, I would not be surprised if the Broncos' first two picks are corner and edge. Yep. Yep, and then, I totally and, agree. And then maybe you get into safety because Cream Jackson's in the last year of his deal, of course, have talked about uh, Richie Grant out of Central Florida as being somebody that I really like and a lot of people were really impressed with last week. Yeah, yeah, Mace, I, I totally agree. If quarterback isn't the pick, I could absolutely see it being corner and edge. Very good point. VR, though, chiming in, looking more and more like it will be Drew starting for us again this year. If Woody Page and Benjamin Albright are right, the Broncos are out on and likely to bring in Tyrod Taylor or Andy Dalton type. I'm 90% sure Locke starts week one. I know most won't be excited at the prospect of this, but for me personally, I look forward to seeing how Drew responds to adversity and makes adjustments working with renowned quarterback coach Jordan Palmer. On the bright side, Drew's first full season wasn't as bad as Teddy Bradshaw six touchdowns to 24 interceptions go Broncos holy cow mates I had no idea Terry Bradshaw's first year was that bad yeah he's Jordan Palmer's worked with Drew Locke before though yes he has yeah he worked with him in 2019 so I think it's interesting that everyone's kind of pointing to Jordan Palmer as a you know kind of a savior it's not like this is going to be something that he hasn't experienced that he doesn't have on his resume that he doesn't have in his training yeah, no, it's a good point. He has worked with him before. So, yeah, and and yeah, VR, though, we kind of touched on that earlier, and I mentioned Nick Foles. Um, I'm kind of prepared to be disappointed in whoever the Broncos bring in and see that it's not the hedge with upside, that's strictly a backup to compete, and if he has to step in, is a bridge and nothing more. I'm, you know, I'm kind of – I'm I'm steeled for that. That's okay. <laughs> Probably good for us to start realizing that. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep those as options and hold on to hope for other ones as well. Oh, I still I mean, I'm telling you, if the Saints don't bring back Jameis Winston, I think the ceiling is still really high. And uh, and actually, you know, it would actually be funny to watch a Jameis Winston Drew Lock competition. Oh, yes, it would. Because both are capable of doing some really spectacular things. Yeah. <laughs> but both are going to make you tear tear the hair out of your scalp. I mean, <laughs> baldness will increase among Bronco fans. It's why will. if these two are the quarterbacks, but boy, they're gonna they're gonna make some plays that have you sit up straight in your chair and say, Wow, awesome. <laughs> yeah. If it's a Jameis Winston Drew Lock competition, I hope that the vaccine distribution has gotten to the point where they can open up camp because you know what? Fans deserve to watch that competition. That would be fun. That would be just 
guns, just gunslinging all over the yeah. field. Yep, it really, really would be. And May, speaking of gunslinging all over the field from two quarterbacks, this week is Super Bowl week, Mace. We've got Patrick Mahomes going up against Tom Brady, and there's no better way to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, and it's the big 55 Super Bowl, and DraftKings Sportsbook has a no-brainer to all players to celebrate the Super Bowl. DraftKings is doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the big game. That's right. All it takes is one touchdown to be scored on Sunday, and there you go. Your money is doubled. Sounds like a no-brainer, and it's this game wasn't enough reason to party with double the cash. You'll be celebrating it till next season. Don't forget about DraftKings big game prediction challenge with the $55 million in total prizes up for grabs and instant prizes for everyone who enters the contest. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012. So they know a thing or two about big paydays and are going to make Sunday another big payday. So head to the app store. Now download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money if a top touchdown is scored in Sunday's game. That's promo code DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money during Sunday night's season finale. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Colorado only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Uh, prediction dash challenge. Uh, go to dash DFS for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Zach, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't somebody over the weekend send us a screenshot of getting basically a free bet on drew lock for MVP. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. <laughs> and the odds were long. Yes, they were long. Do you recall what they were off the top of your head? Uh, wasn't it like 7,000 plus oh 7,000, I think. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay then. Well, <laughs> good luck, but you know what? It's free. Exactly. And I always say if it's free, if it's for me. I want to tell you about a new partner of DNVR that you can support. That's Zoom Care. The one great thing that we can take away from a pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of your own home. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor for that matter, but we all need to take care of ourselves. So what is video care? Video care is like a trip to Zoom Care just from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor, just like a traditional office visit. Get secure access to, access to urgent, primary, and specialist care, including mental health. Video care is covered by most private insurers, usually with a copay. Visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E.com. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doctor sitting in your own living room. We hope that diagnosis is good. To help this partner out, they also want we also want to see video visits from Colorado. Check them out today. Find out just how easy it is. Zoomcare.com for all the details that you need. Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E.com and get started by getting healthcare straight from your home, patching into whatever doctor you need. And like I mentioned earlier, it's covered by most private insurers, usually with a copay. It's a great way to make sure that you're taking care of yourself in these difficult times right now. Zoomcare.com, Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E.com. Next one from Orange and Blue Ozzy. Wow, what the Rams paid for Stafford. Glad we stepped out. He's not good enough in my world to win the Super Bowl, but he would have put us just in the playoffs. Mace, you remember Marino. 
He's the older Aaron Rodgers. I think Zach's hot take is saying the Aaron Rodgers is Marino version 2.0. Racks up the stats, but can't win the big game. Zach, is this the basis of your doubt of A-Rod? Is It's the only quarterback I can say matches A-Rod in as long as I have watched the game. Marino is Aaron Rodgers. One Super Bowl early and can't get back. FYI, young people, Marino lost, but they fit each other. Zach, you agree? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I see, I see where you're coming from. Of course you agree. I mean, the point is that Aaron Rodgers did win the biggest of games. He was the MVP. Dan Marino did not. <laughs> it's it's true. Aaron, Aaron has that on Dan. Uh, Dan Marino had 16 full seasons as the Dolphins starting quarterback. Of course, there was a season in there uh, back in 93 when he ruptured his Achilles. And frankly, I think that injury may have spoiled his best chance to win it all and the best chance for Don Shula to have a late career world championship before he left the stage after the 95 season. So in 16 years, the Dolphins go to the playoffs 10 times. In Aaron Rodgers, in Aaron Rodgers's 13 years as starting quarterback, the Packers have been to the playoffs 10 times. So fewer overall seasons, more playoff appearances, a Super Bowl win. He did break through. I mean, you know, if we're also, if we're going to say this, why don't we say that Drew Brees is Dan Marino? Because I don't, Drew, I don't, it, we, we can absolutely do that. I don't think people, I think people view Aaron Rodgers in a better light than Drew Brees. And I don't know why, you know, I think, I think Obvious. it's fair to say that they're, that they're all together. <laughs> see, see, Aaron Rodgers just gets this benefit of the doubt, which I don't understand why. Well, it would help. I mean, Brian, it would help if if Brian Gutekunst, we, we talked about what he said earlier, the GM of the Packers, talked about being committed to Aaron Rodgers. Great. Then actually do what it takes <laughs> to give him a little bit of help here. Don't he's got Devontae Adams. What help does he you, need? Don't use a first round pick on a developmental quarterback. <laughs> oh, I hope actually, they do that again this year. Oh, you know what? I can't <laughs> believe I'm saying this, but let me just toss something wild out there. I have no evidence that this is going to happen. I'm going to throw something wild. If you're a Green Bay and you really want to help Aaron Rodgers, would you take a Cortland Sutton for Jordan Love trade right now? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I think so, absolutely. And, I mean, what if what if Ooh. George Payton likes Jordan Love? I'm just I'm just saying here, there might be. Wouldn't that be something? Oh gosh, <laughs> that would. I think Broncos country would uh, go up in flames. Oh my gosh, that would. <laughs> I, I'm here. Look. I know I know everyone wants to have everyone listening wants the Broncos to do well, but I admit I'm also a little bit here for the drama. <laughs> and that would be dramatic. That would be so dramatic. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, uh, the, the 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 gif, the the memes, the gif of just sitting back and eating popcorn and watching it all. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> oh, oh man. The truth is though, if the Broncos, if people if there were people in the Broncos building that had a conviction about Jordan love that thought he could really develop into something. There is your hedge with upside, right? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that's the type of deal that could help both teams. If Jordan love is, (laughs) if Jordan love is something as a quarterback 
it would be a mutually beneficial trade. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you're Green Bay, maybe if you, if you really want to kind of show Aaron Rodgers that, okay, it's all, we're all in that right. you might, you might play until you're 43. Let's, you know, we, we lost our, we lost our mind a little bit there, but <laughs> we know that we know how close we are. We know that we probably should have been playing in the Super Bowl, and we're going to make sure that we get this done, that we maximize your next few years. Because if Tom Brady can win these Super Bowls after 40, so can you, Aaron Rodgers. And if I, so if I'm Brian Gutekunst and I'm Matt LaFleur, and I think this is more on Gutekunst than LaFleur, I am considering those types of deals that, that provide a big short-term benefit. And I, if I'm Green Bay, yeah, I'm looking at younger receivers who can help out, and and maybe and maybe I'm dangling Jordan Love as part of a deal. Yeah, man, that would be the ultimate commitment to Aaron Rodgers, and probably end any speculation. That would be really smart, and that'd also be a great, great trade, in my opinion, for the Packers. Yeah, not the man, Broncos. And give us the drama. <laughs> oh boy. See, if I were the Broncos, I'd be like, well. He, you know, Cortland Sutton's a Pro Bowl receiver, and this kid hasn't done anything. You better toss us a, you better toss us a draft pick back here uh, uh, with that there, Brian. Or we're not gonna, we're not gonna play. Of course, uh, both Peyton and Brian Gutekunst are, you know, both in the NFC North for a long time. So you know, yeah, yeah, cer- certainly were, man. That's a, that's fun to think about, or terrifying to think about. Jason, <laughs> seventeen. Well, now that the Stafford talks are over, what a deal for the Lions, by the way. I totally agree. I pose a question for you guys today. That could change everything. If the Broncos were to sign the Nuggets starting five and MPJ, what positions would they play? I have Jokic at tight end and Porter at linebacker. Man, would I hate to see someone like MPJ coming downhill, full speed hitting me. What do you guys think for them? Happy Monday. Hope everyone is staying positive and this testing is too easy. negative. This is too easy. Joker's the quarterback. Absolutely. Joker's the quarterback. Yep. On totally the outlet agree. pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the leader, the leader of the team, flinging it downfield. That's, that's the guy I want. Um, yep. I'd say. Maybe MPJ uh, is your tight end. That That's a nightmare matchup. Or he, or he's your, or he's a wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just throw some, jump balls. Some, with a lot of reach. Um, Jamal Murray. I'm saying, okay, I got to find way. I'm making sure I get him the ball. Jamal Murray is my running back. Mm, I like that a lot. Like that so, a lot. There we yeah. go. I, I love it. But yeah, I did. Uh, Jokic has to be the quarterback there. Oh, a hundred percent. And uh, speaking of other sports, Jason 17 says, forgot to ask my first comment. What do you guys think of the Arenado trade? I'm still in denial personally, but some Breckenridge brews definitely helped me get through the night. The news broke. Well, <sighs> it's pathetic. It's sad. Frustrating. It's, it's, it's terrible. It was the worst Denver sports day in a long, long time. Was that the worst deal in Denver sports history? Yeah, literally paying the Cardinals $50 million to take the best player off your hands. And oh, by the way, you don't even get any of the Cardinals' top eight prospects. You're getting getting peanuts back from these guys. I mean, this is the sort of ridiculous deal that you saw way back in the 1950s when the A's, then in Kansas City, would have these lopsided deals with the Yankees and the Kansas, the then Kansas city A's were considered a farm team of the Yankees by most people who observe the sport. You know, you're basically, you're saying, here you go. And I don't, you know what? 
there's something different in the reaction of Rockies fans, the Denver sports community to this than I expected. I think this is really going to stick. I think this is really going to do long-term damage. I think you're right. Just because, this, I mean, of how, how obvious it was that just how bad it was. Yeah. Because now, I mean, yeah, basically what you have said with this is all right, we're starting the rebuild, but you're starting from zero. You have the, 28th ranked farm system in baseball, according to uh, the latest rankings, MLB.com. 28th. So you've got to rebuild the farm system first. And that's what appalled me about this deal, Zach, is, you know, at least get back some pieces where you can start restocking. I remember remember when the Braves a few years ago, after they had a bad September and they they went from wild card position to 79-83. And over the following months, they basically blew it all up. They they traded Justin Upton. They traded uh, Jason Hayward. They traded Craig Kimbrell, although that was partially to get the BJ Upton contract off their their books. But at least they traded Andrelton Simmons. uh, Simmons, They at least were picking up some valuable parts back over the they made those trades over about a year about a year and a, a year and a half or so but they were getting guys that helped rebuild their farm system and lo and behold uh, they got lucky that they, they got lucky on some quick advancement from guys like ronda kung and ozzy albies and they basically had three years in the wilderness and they were back in the playoff conversation again so you can't you can do it but to get to get back so little from the cardinals it's appalling i mean who what are they thinking over there? What what is Jeff Bridish thinking? What is Dick Monfort thinking? I, you know, hey, it's not brain surgery, right? But <laughs> Bridish tells us I have as many division titles as Jeff Bridish does. Yep. <laughs> yes, you certainly do. And maybe so this you. is this is one where if I'm Dick Monfort and I see the deal coming down before it's official. I rip it up and I fire Jeff Breidich and I make amends with Nolan and so that this deal or any deal never has to get done because this deal right here proved that it's it's all on Breidich. Yeah, and here's another thing. I'm, I get that they're losing money and the, the getting the R&O to contract off their books, it can save them some money long-term. But I don't trust Jeff Breidich to do a rebuild. I don't trust no. anybody in that organization. If I were, if I were Dick Monfort, I would find as I would try to pluck as many people from the Tampa Bay Rays front office as I could. Yeah, you are a higher revenue team than the Rays, much higher. Yeah, when when things are are going right, I I would, I would Im, I would import some wisdom, some knowledge, some baseball intelligence, and and start from there because the bottom line is. I don't trust those that are working at 20th and Blake to get this right. Trevor's story is almost certainly not going to sign an extension. So the wise thing to do would be if if you're, you're out of it, story's not coming back. The wise thing to do would be to try to find the best deal you can for Trevor story right now. Right. Yep. Rather than wait for the deadline. You got more teams potentially willing to deal right now, even though you're in the middle of pandemic, but you know, I, I don't trust them to get that deal. Right. No. Uh, the way they'll probably they'll probably screw around. He'll come back. He'll play four unhappy months and be traded at the deadline, whether that's yep. July 31st or August. I know they're kicking around a delayed start to the season. August 15th uh, could be in play for the deadline when, you know, whenever. But, oh, my gosh, it's just appalling. And even though when the gates open up, yeah, people are going to be desperate to go watch baseball. I mean, Zach, I can't put into words how – 
eager I am to see some baseball games again in person. Mm-hmm. How I want this schedule to be finalized and set because I'd like to be able to plan a trip to Atlanta to go see my beloved Braves play. My my daughter's been talking about it. She wants to go to the games and uh, stay in the hotel beyond the outfield wall and see the fireworks after a Friday night game while she's swimming. I mean, we are we're you know we're having that discussion already, but uh, you know I don't know that the, the pent up demand is going to be the same in Colorado. I think this is going to leave a very deep wound on the psyche of the Denver sports fan and the Rockies fans in particular. I totally agree with you. And that's why it's so crucial for the Broncos <laughs> to, uh, to get better so that it makes everyone feel a little better. Sorry that I'm on my soapbox about this, but no, I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, this is this cut, this cuts to my core a little bit. I mean, I'm a Braves fan, but I, I do like the Rockies. I go to a lot of games. It's a bit of going to going to 20th and Blake is a big part of our, family summers and uh, part of our, our summer traditions as a, fa- as a family here. And uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm upset right now. I'm, I'm up. I'm, I understand that the, the trade, but the terms of it are just appalling. Yeah, absolutely appalling. You, you, you paid, you paid somebody $50 million to take the best, the best third <laughs> baseman of the last, at least the last 30 years of major league baseball off your hands. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> Just Sorry. absolutely crazy. I know this is the Broncos podcast, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people listening have strong feelings about this. I'm just, um, I, I, I slept on, I've slept on it now three nights. I don't feel any better about it. No, no. And like you said, you probably won't, man. Such, (laughs) such a bummer. Next one from LDJ. Okay. So Stafford's out. Duh. LOL. But I feel vindicated given that the deal breaker was drew. I was right. You got Stafford as a rental as you developed drew Albright also said, John had no say in this. This was all Peyton's call. Peyton wants to upgrade the position, but not be reckless. If it's not Deshaun, then we're going to push drew to, to be great. At least I hope we can. So what would you be down to trade for Wentz if it was a salary dump for the Eagles and get a first-round pick? We'd get vet ca- competition and more capital to get the quarterback we want if things don't work out with what you guys have. What do you think? Well, here's what's interesting. Um, I don't know about the validity of this, but uh, Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com uh, has put out there that the uh, that the Broncos – did offer Drew Locke. Mm, yep. Yep. Yeah. I, it As did, part from, of their from, deal. From everything I had heard, um, I didn't get any exact information on Drew himself, but I never heard that Drew was not what was completely off the table. I, I'd never heard that. Yeah. I, I, I'd never heard. I had not heard that either, that Locke's completely off. So in that case, if that is true, it's, it's, it's fair to question the, uh, the commitment to Drew Locke. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, that I, the way it feels to me, Zach, is that they're they're fine rolling with Drew Locke in 2021 if that's who they have, but they are looking for an upgrade. And if yep. they can't find an upgrade, they'll run it back with Drew and see where he goes. But that they are they're exploring their their options. I mean, I look, I saw something today that indicated um, that maybe the 49ers have some interest in Kirk Cousins. Mm. Now, that would be interesting because then Kyle Shanahan gets the quarterback that he really wanted. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he would. Way back when he took that job, 
kind of his grand plan when he took over the 49ers was to wait a year and then bring in Kirk Cousins. But then Jimmy Garoppolo played so well in 2017 that they re-signed him. But uh, if Kirk Cousins is on the table, is that, is that something that uh, the Broncos think about? And yes, I can almost hear people listening to this podcast right now saying, no! <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. But what does George Payton think of, of Kirk Cousins? Because, right. you know, he saw him firsthand and uh, he was part of the team that, help bring him to Minnesota. It's, it's there are some interesting things to think about here, man. And, and also, if, if, yeah. Another thing before I, I'm sorry, Zach, but what does Gary Kubiak think of Kirk cousins? Because John Elway with the ability to have input, probably if, if Kirk cousins were available, Elway probably calls his, his good friend Coops and asks what it was like working with Kirk the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. And on top of that, if the Vikings are are okay with moving on from Kirk Cousins the same year that George Payton left the organization, maybe that means that George Payton was uh, one of the biggest Kirk Cousins supporters out there. It also means that the Vikings maybe are in play for a quarterback too. Mm-hmm. And the yep. draft, if they're think if if they're thinking about things like this, so yeah, there's exactly. There are there are a lot of tentacles to all this. This is there this is are. wow. This is going to be a fun off season. <laughs> it definitely definitely is. LDJ goes on and says one more thing. I hope this works out for the Rams. But traded a first round pick for Marcus Peters. He's gone. Brandon Cooks. He's gone. Traded a second for Sammy Watkins. He's gone. Two first rounders and twenty million a year for Ramsey. They have to win a Super Bowl. Anything less is waste because I don't know what their future is. Fingers crossed. Just saying. I don't know if this is an awesome trade. I. I don't know well um one thing to kind of consider and i don't have this in front of me is uh you know what are, what are they getting back in terms of uh of compensatory picks from uh, oh from losing when guys? when they when they lose guys yeah um, that's a good that's a good point because like for example i looking at this on nfl.com from last april by losing Dante Fowler Jr. to Atlanta, that gives them a third-round comp pick for the second consecutive year. Okay, and uh, and then uh, to to go back uh, to go back another year here. Um, hang on, let me see if I can shoot uh, twenty NFL draft. The Rams had a, the Rams had a third round compensatory pick in 2020. I believe, uh, I believe, yes, they did, and um, I, I assume that would have been for uh, for one of the guys that they end up losing with either Brandon Cooks. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's so part it's... that's part of the calculation. And actually, one of the interesting things about the uh, the trade with Jared Goff is that. Um, the, the Rams are getting a third round pick as compensation for losing Brad Holmes as a minority candidate to the Lions. And effectively, the Rams sent a third round pick back. So it's almost like a one hand washed the other on that one. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And LDJ, yeah, I mean, quite the high stakes for the Rams right now, but they better hope that Matthew Stafford is pretty darn good in order to make this trade look. They're good. thinking in terms of their long ago coach George Allen who coached them back in the 60s Allen went to Washington in the 70s and famously had a habit of trading as many draft picks as he could for veterans and uh, Washington literally went nearly a decade without picking in the or over a decade pardon without picking in the first round and some years didn't pick until like the fifth round the sixth round the eighth round because he traded so many picks and you look at, at how Washington did and 
They went to the playoffs more often than not with Allen. They had a, a shaky year going six and 10 in 1980, a couple of years after Allen left. But then even without the draft capital, Joe Gibbs and Bobby Beathard rebuilt it. And they were a Super Bowl team in 82 and 83, winning in all in 82. So point being, uh, maybe the Rams think of themselves as uh, the modern day Washington. Man, that's that's something. And that is the complete opposite of what George Payton wants to do with draft and develop. Right. So interesting how there's just polar opposite ideas. Out yeah, there. Uh, the Rams are maybe taking it to a little bit, little bit of an extreme here, kind of like Washington bet did back <laughs> in the day. But uh, I'm not, I'm, that's what they're thinking. That's what they're hoping for here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Next one from DC Hawk Guy. Sup, fellas. What is a realistic trade to bring Watson to Denver now that Stafford blew up the market like GameStop? And what would the Broncos had to give up to get Peyton Manning back in 2012 if he wasn't a free agent at the time? Coming off the neck the neck problems, I imagine Peyton Manning, it would it would have actually been a a steep cost, but reasonable. I think it would have been two first round picks. Oh man, that would have been the easiest decision of my life because of the neck. I mean, there were legitimate concerns right. about the about the neck, and the trade would have involved probably uh, uh, probably the the med- some significant medical waivers as well on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have easily given up two first. I would have given up everything. So realistic trade to bring Watson to Denver. Well, we're hearing some reports. Like I said earlier, two, two ones, two twos and two defensive starters. uh, And and at least one of those defensive starters is probably equivalent to a first round pick. You'd think in terms of value. I would, I would think so. And this ties into the next question perfectly. He says from Von Miller's chicken farm says Houston wants two first, two seconds, two young defensive starters. Do you think 40, Next year's one and two, 2023 first and Chubb and Simmons would be attractive enough. Leaves nine to trade back and recoup a first or second rounder. RK will say yes, but what about everyone else? Thanks for the pod. As Mm. always, Mace, I'm saying yes. I think the Texans are saying no, because I think think the ninth pick would have to be. You couldn't be more right on this, because even though we've talked about kind of the vagaries of this year's draft, it's still a guaranteed top 10 pick. Whereas Houston will have to think Deshaun Watson going to another team means that they're not picking in the top 10 uh, if they've surrounded him with enough talent. I don't think Houston does it for, with, for a deal that does not include a 2021 first round pick just because they don't have that pick right now. They've traded from their draft capital for this year. They want to recoup some of that. So I think Houston would look at that deal and say, no, I, they, I think they'd insist on the one this year. Yep, I think so too. And man, giving up Bradley Chubb and Justin Simmons, that would free up some future cap room. I mean, there's no question, Mace, that this team would be entirely built on the offensive side of the ball because then instead of using the money you'd, you'd use to pay Justin Simmons and Bradley Chubb, you'd be using that money to to pay your entire offense, including Deshaun They wouldn't Watson. be boring anymore. The Broncos' biggest problem <laughs> is that in recent years, they've been at the intersection of bad and boring. And that's a bad yes. place to be. At least they they, they might B. not win a Super Bowl, but they won't be boring. Yes, exactly. Next one from the other Ryan. My boys, I am relieved that Denver did not foolheartedly decide to trade for 
Matthew Stafford based on the compensation that ended up being required. It's looking more and more like Drew Locke, a better backup, and Brett Rippon will be the Bronco will be the quarterbacks for the Broncos in 2021, which I can live with. The Broncos definitely need a better backup to push Drew, preferably a younger player like Jameis Winston. I think he'll get more money and a better chance to be a starter elsewhere, like in Indianapolis, possibly Gardner Minshew or Jacoby Brissett, and to send Locke to the bench if he needs to start out the season poorly or gets injured again. If the Broncos decide to roll with Locke, who is your number one preferred veteran hedge as the first day of February? And who do you think the hedge ultimately ends up being? Have a magical Monday, DNV Army. So well, you'll like our discussion earlier in the podcast. We get into some of those hedges here <laughs> and uh, and who we like. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Jameis. I think that, that Indianapolis, that is a distinct possibility. But yeah, just... Don't go for the hedge who, if he has to come in, is just a bridge. Go for a hedge that has a chance to be a long-term guy, that has a chance to be another Tannehill. Please, I beg of you, Broncos, if you bring in a hedge, have it be somebody with upside and potential. I totally, totally agree. And man, no one has more upside than Jameis Winston. We, we, we've seen the good, we've seen the bad, and you know, first overall pick. Take the good, you take the bad, you take them all, and there you have the facts of Jameis. <laughs> exactly. Oh, pick tosser 66. So it appears we are officially looking to upgrade the quarterback position with the report that we had a first rounder on the table for Stafford. Good to know that it doesn't look like it will be just running it back with Locke as the clear-cut starter. Stafford was a clear upgrade, and obviously Watson would be too. Who else are clear upgrades that are available in your guys' opinion? Would Locke beat out Darnold, Winston, Trubisky, Mariota? Man, it's it's a good question. I honestly think if Jameis Winston comes here, he is the starter. Those other three guys, I think it's a true competition. Darnold, Trubisky, and Mariota, I think, would all be competing. Um, mm-hmm. Man, that that is... It's a good point. It's a good question. I think the money you'd have to pay Mitchell Trubisky, I think that would make him your starter. Even though I think Locke would beat him out yeah, in terms of quality. But but Trubisky probably is going to cost you enough to raise the starter. I would say Locke beats out Darnold, does not beat out Winston. If all things are equal and they're on and they are on equal terms, he would beat out Trubisky. But again, the contract may dictate otherwise. Right. Mario is kind of a push. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I would just say, I think Darnold would beat out Locke if all things were equal. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's fair. Uh, they're, they're both down there in terms of their performance last year. I just think, uh, I just think Drew would show a little bit more of a of spark. Yeah. And that, that's, that's Stan totally would. fair. And then yeah. last one coming in from Vash, the man, yo, 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 my boys just wanted to say beep Kansas city. Let TB 12 win another. Gotta say, I hate the chiefs more than I hate Tom. Let's go bucks. Peace, love and chicken grease. I'm out bash the man. Great way to kick off super bowl week. Yeah. If the chiefs win, we are having the conversation about whether Patrick Mahomes is going to pass Tom Brady. Yep. Someday. Yes, we are. Yes, we absolutely are. They, this, if Tom Brady wins this week, it could very well close the door on Patrick Mahomes being able to pass him someday because he would have beat him in an AFC championship game on the road and he would have beat him in the only Super Bowl the two played in. But if Patrick Mahomes wins, then he'll have won two straight. He will have beaten Tom Brady. And so when push comes to shove, if Mahomes ever gets six Super Bowls, well, that'll be the tipping piece where they, mm-hmm. they'll say, well, Tom, Tom wasn't able to beat Mahomes in the biggest game. Even though you'll have to be like, 
He was 43 years old. <laughs> hey, he's playing not like a 43-year-old. I know he's not, but he's still 43 years old. <laughs> it's really, really true. Man, oh, I can't, I can't man, wait I'm to alive. talk about this game more this week. Oh, this is going to be wild. This is going to be wild. Are, <laughs> there any, are there any good prop bets up at our friends at DraftKings.com yet? Oh, man, tons, tons. And you know the bet show will be going over them all. I'm probably going to dive in there for my DK pick of the week. I got to start exploring those. Yeah, there's got to be something there. I mean, and not picking just Super Bowl square is actually having something legit. <laughs> like the uh, like the time on the national anthem, right? That's legit. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> Neil Diamond still holds the record for fastest national anthem, if I recall correctly. So. <laughs> Maybe we'll get him out there for this and uh, and we'll take the unders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get through it quickly. Get to the game. Don't stretch it out. <laughs> exactly. And guys, before we get out of here, got to tell you one more time about MSU Denver online. Guys, MSU Denver puts an online or dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. It, MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own members, uh, staff members at DNVR have taken classes at MSU Denver, and they've had nothing but good things to say, including how they build the schedule around your life and how teachers bring in the real world experience into the classroom and teach you exactly what you need to know. So make sure to check them out, msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us. Welcome back, Mace. So happy to have you with us again and can't wait to hear everything from the Senior Bowl, preview the Super Bowl, and talk more Broncos quarterbacks with everyone later this week. Thank you all so much for rolling with us. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a magnificent Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.